Well, let's pray and dig into the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your Word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. Make this the most attentive hour of our week. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to pray about coming out on Thursday nights. We just finished 2 Samuel, so we'll be in, where will we be? First Kings. If you know your Bible, it's the next page. We don't skip over anything. So you can come at the beginning of a new book, Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you join us. All right. So First Timothy, we're going to continue to look. This is Paul's one of Paul's three letters. They're called pastoral epistles. Paul is nearing the end of his life, and he is writing, uh, instructing, basically his sons in the faith. As we know, Paul planted a lot of churches, and he had a, a, a son in the faith, is how he referred to him, by the name of Timothy. Timothy was somebody who had joined with him on his second missionary journey. He had traveled with Paul. He had, he had suffered with Paul. He'd gone through the trials with Paul. Timothy is pastoring a church in Ephesus at this point, and Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to encourage him to remain steadfast and to be faithful to the calling that God has placed upon his life. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, I write to you so you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Do you know that our God's a God of order? Can I get an amen to that? Everything should be done decently and in order. We're going to see that this morning as we go through the text, that the way the church should operate is written down for us. You know, we don't just make this up, Amen. And we see what the Word of God says, we see how it's commanded to be, and whenever you get a lot of confusion in a fellowship, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion, amen? And you have a lot of churches that are, or places that call themselves churches that are driven by a lot of emotion, and the Word of God ceases to be taught often, and becomes more about experience than the Word of God. Well, your experience can be wrong, and the Word of God never is. Can I get an Amen. And so the Word of God is always the ground, it's the pillar, it's the foundation of truth. Too many churches are catering to the needs of men, and we can, fall, we can all fall into that trap if we ever get away from the Word of God. More, more concerned about being politically correct than biblically accurate. Uh, no more clear absolutes, moral relativism. Uh, I get attacked, and you probably do as Christians, for saying you believe in absolute truth. Absolutely. Can I get an amen to that? There is absolute truth. It's not my truth and your truth. It's the truth. Amen? And as Paul is writing this letter, he's encouraging Timothy because he's surrounded by so many things trying to distract him from what he's called to do. So many things that we can put our focus on. Look, we got an election coming up. I get it. But guess what? Our faith is not in the White House. It's in the throne of grace. Amen? We should all vote. Vote. Vote biblically. We should do that. That being said, our focus is on the Lord. And no matter what happens in November, God's still on the throne. Can I get an amen to that? And so the focus is stay, keep the main thing the main thing, as my dad used to say. Let's keep the focus on Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. The fear of God has been, been replaced often by the feelings of man. No longer is what does God say, but what do I think? And instead of viewing the culture uh, in light of Scripture, they're viewing Scripture, molding it to the culture. Now, I'm saying all this because we're going to talk about some stuff this morning that the culture disagrees with in a big way. And as we get to the... To, we're going to talk about the two of the things that were misnomers in the church. The first one's going to be prayer, and the second one's going to be the role of women in the church. And if, if you're here this morning and you're a hyper-feminist and you think somehow that, uh, you know, God's word is wrong, I hope by the time you leave, you've changed your mind. Can I get an amen? Because here's the reality. We're all under authority. Can I get an amen to that? We're all under the authority of God. Amen? And it's not about, it's not about who's better, who's smarter, or even, even who's more spiritually mature. God is a God of order. And because he's a God of order, you know what? Uh, the man is called to be the spiritual leader in his household. And the Bible says a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. And it doesn't mean that the woman is less, not by any stretch. You know, it's a picture of Christ in the church. Amen? Jesus submits to the Father. Is Jesus less? What's the answer? No. And so as we go through this this morning, I pray that you, that you understand it from the perspective and the heart from which it is given. So if you have your outline, grab it. Let's go through this quickly. And then we'll get into the text itself. 
the rest of the way, here's the things we're going to see, by the way. So you don't, if you want to skip a Sunday to watch football, here's what you'll be missing. So we're going to see in the next couple weeks the emphasis on prayer, the role of women in the church, the qualifications for those who lead in the church, the qualifications for those who serve in the church, how to correct error within the church, the treatment of people within the church, honoring widows and honoring elders, the treatment of those who are out in the world, uh, godly contentment, a good testimony, the source of true riches, and again, all of this is in conflict with what the world says. You know that the, when the world makes a stand, it's really an attack on the Bible. You do understand that, right? You know that that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to attack the Word of God, and we need to know the Word of God so we can recognize the lie when we see it. Amen? So the outline, I titled the message, How to Conduct Yourself in the House of God. First, you shall make my Father's house a house of prayer. We're going to see that prayer is preeminent in the church. Amen? I want to encourage you. We've had it fall off a little bit since we moved. We have prayer at 9 o'clock in this room back here, and it was just four of us this morning, but prayer was sweet. Amen? And you know what? We need to pray more. I know I need to pray more. Who else joins me in that? Amen? We need to pray more. And guys, if we want to see God move, we, want, we need to pray. When, every time there's been revival, people are praying. Amen? I know there's some events coming up this Saturday in Washington, D.C. that you can join online and pray with people all over the country. One's run by Franklin Graham. There's opportunities for us to join God's people and pray. If we want to see things change, we need to pray. Amen? So prayer, we're going to talk about, you shall make my father's house a house of prayer. We're going to talk about how we should pray, who we should pray for, why we should pray for them, what we should pray for them, the only one who can answer our prayers, and then finally lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. So after we're going to look at the role, we're going to look at the, you shall make my father's house a house of prayer, the role of women in the church. I want to tell you something. Praise God for women in the church. Can I get an amen to that? And I'll be honest with you. The prayer team tends to be more women than men. Amen? And women are, you know, as spiritual or more spiritual than most men. It's not about who's more spiritual. It's not about who's more godly. But there is a role that God has given women in the church, and their role is very important. Can I get an amen to that? Here's some things that he says about women in the church. First of all, there should be modesty. We'll go into that. Uh, they have godly works. Uh, quiet learning, I titled it. That means learning without contention and then submission to authority. So let's begin there in verse one of how to conduct yourself in the house of God. You shall make your fa my father's house a house of prayer. So in light of everything he had told him, he tells him at the end of chapter one to fight the good fight, uh, that he has to wage well warfare, that it is a spiritual battle that we are fighting. Guys, we see it more now than ever. Churches are attacked. If you have church, you're attacked. If you don't have church, you're attacked. If you make people wear masks, you're attacked. If you don't make people wear masks, you're attacked. There's nothing you can do to make everybody happy, and that's why I don't worry about you being happy, about being obedient to the Lord. That's because I love you guys. Can I get an amen? But I love him more than I love you. Sorry, okay? So I'm going to obey God rather than man, and I think every pastor needs to have that heart, and we're united in that thought here, okay? And we love you guys, and those who are staying home because they're afraid, it's okay. We love you guys too. Can I get an amen to that? And we're praying for you. So then he says, in light of all the, all the conflict and the spiritual battle that you're fighting, how do you respond knowing that this, this, this war we're fighting is spiritual, not physical? He says this, therefore, in light of all that, I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, first of all, doesn't mean it's the first thing you do. It literally means in the original language that it, it is first in importance. The most important thing you can do if you want to see God move is pray. And that's what he's saying here. And sadly, a lot of our prayer lives consist of a Holy Spirit missile over our Wheaties. It's a three-second prayer, it, and when, often when we pray, we, we don't even really give God our full attention. Am I the only one that's ever prayed without giving God your, your full attention? Have we done that? Can I get an amen to that? We're distracted. We're thinking about other things, and you know what? Is he, if, if Jesus showed up at your house, would you turn off the TV? Amen? 
Would you turn off everything else? Would you stop everything else? Would you, get on, would you get in front of him on your knees and have your focus completely on him? Guys, when we pray, turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Put away all the distractions. Can I get an amen? He's worthy of our focus. He says this should be the preeminent thing. In light of the spiritual battle that's going on around us, we need to pray more. And he's exhorting them. So first of all, pray. And again, so what comes next is of first importance in Paul's heart, that prayer is the priority, and it was to be the priority in the life of every believer, but also in, the public, in a public worship service. Jesus said, you shall make my father's house a house of prayer, not a house of evangelism. Do we want to see people saved? What's the answer? Nothing more. It's a, you know, go therefore into all the world, make disciples, right? And so we're called to evangelize. But even though it is, we evangelize, it's not a house of evangelism. It's not even a house of the word. Again, the word of God goes forth with power, and the word of God must be taught. If we don't teach the Bible, it's the Elks Club. Amen? We teach the Bible. It's not a house of fellowship. It's not even a house of worship. These are all essential. They're all a vital part of a healthy, growing church. But it is prayer that is the bloodline of the church. If we don't pray, we can't expect to see God move. It's intimate fellowship and communion of our prayer that empowers us to be fruitful in the life of others and to be used for God's glory. If there's no prayer, there's no power, there's no fire. Amen? I've shared this with you before. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he was called the Prince of Preachers in the late 1800s in London, England, and he was preaching and people, you know, there's no live stream back then. And people would come and they'd pack out the church and it'd be raining and they'd be leaning their heads in the window uh, because the seats were all full, holding umbrellas just to hear the message. And then they would take his entire message word for word and reprint it on the front page of the London Times on Monday. Can you imagine? And when they came to him and said, where's the power coming from? How is God doing such a great work? Where's this revival coming from? They took him downstairs and they showed him a room in the basement where 200 people would pray the entire time that the pastor was preaching. Guys, we want to see God move. We need to pray. And here's what can happen in the life of every believer, myself included. You pray for something several times and you give up. Anybody besides me ever done that? Well, I prayed about that enough. He's not going to answer. Yeah, God's not going to do. Guys, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Amen? We don't cease to pray. We don't give up on praying. We keep praying. Notice he says supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks. There are at least seven different Greek nouns for prayer. Four of them are used here. A supplication is offering a request for a felt need. It's asking for something. Prayer shouldn't be all about asking, but we can ask in bold confidence from God's word. Your prayer shouldn't just be asking for God for stuff. Can I get an amen? You know, when he teaches us how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. By the way, it's our prayer, not the Lord's Prayer, but that's how they title it. And we're not supposed to pray that with vain repetition either. Can I get an amen? But remember how it starts. Our Father which art in heaven, who we're addressing it to, hallowed be thy name. The first thing we do when we pray is we praise him. Amen? Begin with praise. And as you praise the Lord, you know what it does? It reminds you of the greatness of our God, which then makes the, the rest of the prayer easier to believe. Can I get an Amen? If you know how great God is, it's easier to pray and say, well, my God is greater than this. We were given a request. I'm going to ask all of you to pray for this. Tony, who's the head of the board here, uh, Rich is also on the board here, asked us to pray for Graham, who was one of the guys who led the construction here, and he's got fourth, uh, stage four prostate cancer. And they said, can your congregation pray for him? So I'm going to ask you all, can we pray for Graham? Can I get an amen? You know what? Let's pray for him right now. Can I get an Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We lift up Graham to you. Lord, we ask your healing touch upon his body. We thank you that you are the great physician. Lord, you're, you're a great and an awesome God. You're holy, you're righteous, you're just, you're faithful, and you know exactly what's going on in Graham's life. So touch our brother, we pray. Comfort his family. If he has children, comfort them as well. Lord, use even this for your kingdom and your glory. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. So supplications is, is asking for something. Then he says, after supplication, it's, it's prayers. Now, this is the most common term. It emphasizes the sacredness of prayer. Prayer is not just an expression of wants and needs, but it is an act of worship. Prayer should be an act of worship. And by the way, prayer is not just a monologue. It's a dialogue. As you pray, God is speaking to you as well. 
You, you speak to the Lord, you listen, spend part of your time just waiting upon the Lord. Uh, a gap in the prayer time where it's quiet is okay. Can I get an amen? And prayer just means it's an act of worship. There should be a reverence in, in our hearts as we pray to God. We need to be reverent. Now, the good news is we can pray driving down the freeway. Amen? And so don't close your eyes and bow on the freeway. So God knows. So you can pray on the freeway, and that's not always how you have to be. But I will say this. Even though the position that you're in doesn't, it's not really what's important. It's your heart that's important. But I have found that if I'm on my knees, that my heart's in a better place. Can I get an amen to that? When I'm on my knees or I'm on my face before the Lord, there's just more fervency, more attentiveness to my prayer and our prayers, whatever it takes, Lord, to make sure that the focus is on you, that I'm not being flip about my prayer life. I'm not just throwing up words between sentences, but I'm actually stopping and spending time in the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine if your kids, the only time you saw them, they ran into the room, screamed at you the five things they wanted you to buy them, and they ran back out? I'd be looking for a board. Can I get an, can I get an amen? The board of education is coming in Jesus' name. But sometimes that's how we pray. Hey, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this, that promotion, I'm, you know, get my kids in line. And we tell the Lord all the stuff we want without really spending any time with him. That veil was torn so we could be in his presence, amen? So we can spend time with the Lord. So supplications and prayers, there should be a reverence. Intercessions, that word is petitions. It refers to requests being made on behalf of others. So as we just prayed for Graham, that would be, a, that would be intercession. Where you're not praying for yourself, you're interceding on behalf of someone else. A lot of the people that you pray for, you may be the only person on the planet praying for them. You ever thought about that? If, especially if they don't know the Lord, they may not have been praying themselves. So as you intercede on their behalf, you come before the throne of grace because, guys, we can enter into God's presence. Do you know that unbelievers cannot? Do you know that? Because we can only come to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And if there's no Holy Spirit and you don't know the Son, you can't get to the Father. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So as others pray, well, I prayed. Or as I love when my coworkers will tell me, I have a good thought for you. Well, that'll, that'll help a lot, by the way. <laughs> Keeping a good thought, whatever. I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, but stop it, okay? <laughs> whatever. The reality is, and we can say, I'm going to go talk to the creator of the universe on your behalf. Amen? The one who put the stars in the sky. The one who created all things. The Alpha and the Omega. By the way, he's my best friend. And I'm going to go talk to him and tell him and intercede on behalf of your sick child or on your behalf. Guys, we can pray for people that can't pray for themselves. Amen? And, and intercession is interceding on behalf of another. As we pray, come before the throne of God, there should be a portion of our time that intercedes on behalf of others. Praying for others does something else too. It takes the focus off of ourselves. Can I get an amen? Our focus primarily should be focused on the Lord and others. Ourselves should be last. Now we should pray. And then notice lastly it says here, and the giving of thanks. This is an essential part of the Christian walk, should be an active part in both prayer and of our worship, not only thanking God for answered prayer, but more importantly, for who He is and what He has done. Can we thank God enough for everything He's done? What's the answer? If we all quit our jobs and got on our faces and prayed here till He came back, we couldn't thank Him enough. But should we thank Him? What's the answer? It says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Daniel chapter 6, I love this. Daniel was threatened with his life that if he kept praying, they were going to throw him to the lions. For some of us, if they threatened us, it wouldn't change our life one bit because we don't pray much. In Daniel's life, they knew that if they were going to get Daniel, they had to go against his God. They had to outlaw, they had to outlaw him worshiping God. They had to outlaw prayer. That's a way to get him. Hmm. Sounds familiar, amen? Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went, out, he went home in his upper room, and with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Guys, 
The only way they could catch Daniel was to outlaw prayer. And if they outlawed prayer, how much would your life change? Guys, prayer should be something that's evident in our lives every single day. Amen? I like to start my day with prayer, leave God on speakerphone. My wife thinks I'm crazy because I will walk around the house and say, help, Lord. Yes, Lord. Help, Lord. She's like, what are you doing? I'm talking to God. Can I get an amen to that? And it's okay to have that relationship with him. The people that are used mightily by God throughout Scripture, think of anybody. Joseph, Daniel, David. Just go down the list. The apostles. Guess what they all had in common? They prayed. Can I get an amen? And they were desperate. And they were humble. And they were broken before God. We can ask with boldness, with reverence and awe. We can intercede on behalf of others with the heart of thanksgiving for what God has already done for us. And who, we, and who should we pray for? So who do we? So now we've, he's commanded us. Notice what it says at the end of that verse. Pray for who? For who? All men. All men. Goes beyond family, friends, and loved ones to include our enemies and those with whom we have conflict. All men need prayer. Who needs prayer? Everybody. Can I get an amen? And I want to tell you something. When you pray for people, it'll change your heart toward that person. Can I get an amen to that? I've shared this before really briefly. I was, in 1988, I got hired by Pacific Bell Yellow Pages. 32 years later, I still work there. It's changed names five times, but I still work there. And I was driving to Woodland Hills. I was driving to downtown LA, and then I was driving to Woodland Hills from Lancaster. And as I would drive at a 72-mile commute, sometimes an hour and a half to two hours on the freeway. And I was disgusted by my coworkers. You guys have heard me tell this story. I was disgusted by them. A lot of them were doing coke at lunch. Their lives were a total train wreck. They're all sleeping with each other. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And then God convicted me. Are you praying for them? Uh, No. Is anybody praying for them, do you think? Uh, Probably not. Did I put you here for a reason? Uh, Yeah. So I got a list of, it was 200 people. And I started praying for them by name every day on my drive to work. And you know what happened? Instead of being disgusted by them, I had a burden for them. And then before I knew it, over time, I got to witness to virtually everybody in that office. We started a Bible study in the office. They started calling us the God Squad. People were getting saved. God was glorified. It was because prayer changed my heart. Can I get an amen? It didn't change God's mind. It changed my heart. Guys, as we spend time in prayer, we're going to become more like the one we're praying to. Amen? And it's going to change the way we look at people. All men need prayer. Our governor needs prayer. We need to pray for him. Amen? But so does... Everybody else has got authority in our life. We need to pray for them. Praying for those in ministry, missionaries, pastors, the Sunday school teacher, giving thanks for all men, even those who may persecute us. You know, I love how that's what the Lord did. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's forgiving the very people that had hung him on the... Now, he hung on the cross of his own free will. He could have come down anytime he wanted to. He stayed on the cross out of his love for you. Amen? But that being said, he continued to show them grace and to pray for them, to intercede on their behalf. Notice it says in verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead as a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness, godliness and reverence. Excuse me. So first we saw how we should pray, and then who should we pray for? Well, all men, family, friends, but also those in authority over us. And again, Uh, The word kings there means leaders of people, commander, the lord of the land. Uh, Yeah, but Paul has no idea what kind of president, governor, mayor we have. Well, when he wrote this, Nero was the Caesar. And Nero is Hitler on steroids. Nero was a horrible, horrible man. One of the most ungodly men. You know that he feeding Christians to lions, setting Christians, covering Christians in pitch, setting them on fire and lighting his garden and, and riding on his horse naked through the garden uh, with the bodies of, of Christians on fire. Nero was a horrible man. And what does he say? Pray for Nero. Pray for Nero. The fact that they're ungodly, they need our prayer. Amen? Uh, did someone pray for Saul of Tarsus? Evidently. Can I get an amen? Because Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul, the arch enemy of the Christian church, can you imagine if Gavin Newsom got, got, got radically saved? Can you imagine if he came on TV next week and said, you know what, all the churches are open, we need to serve God, we're going to pray, we're going to have a prayer meeting at the Capitol. Can God do that? Let's pray. Amen? 
Pray for those in authority. We pray for them, not to them. Amen? Amen? We don't worship people in authority. We pray for the people in authority. We give them the honor that's due to them. And again, so the king in Paul's day, again, was one of the most ruthless men who ever lived. It says all authorities, Romans 13, that all authority was placed there by God. The police department, firefighters, government officials, the military, we thank God for them. Amen? And we should be praying for them. Amen? Not trying to defund them. Can I get an amen? Praise God for the police. Praise God for our firefighters. Praise God for our military. People who are willing to lay down their lives to protect ours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? And we need to be praying for them. That's what the Word of God tells us. Praise for those in people of authority, and God has placed them there, that we may be able to live peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Rather than battling our government, we should be model citizens, not compromising our faith, praying for for our civil leaders so that we may be able to preach the gospel everywhere to all men, more focused on impacting eternity and seeing the lost saved than winning a political battle. Now, you know that we're going through it right now. We obey the government till the government tells us to disobey God, then we obey God. Amen? We don't want to be jerks about it. We don't need to jump up and down and shake our fists. We just obey God. And if there's consequences, we keep obeying God. Can I get an amen to that? So we submit to the authority God's placed over us until they tell us to disobey God. Then we keep praying for them and we obey God at the same time. Thirdly, why, why we should pray for them. Look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our God, of, our, of God, our Savior. It's not, it's, it's not important if it is popular with men but that it is good and acceptable before God. Prayer is for everyone is good and pleases God our Savior because the God who saved us wants the message of salvation to reach all people. It's God's desire, it's God's heart that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the gospel. The Pharisees prayed to be seen by men. We should pray to, because it's good in the sight of God. Amen? Some people pray so people will notice them. The Pharisees love to put their robes on and their pointy hats and go stand out in the middle of the street and make sure in the busiest street when prayer came so they could pray and people go, oh, look how pious he is. What a holy individual. Wow, you're amazing. And by the way, if you're bragging about your prayer life, repent. Amen? Yeah, they just call me camel knees because I'm on my knees 20 hours a day praying for the Lord, praying for people like you. And the people that have a real prayer life, tend not to really tell anybody because they're not doing it for men. They're doing it for, before the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? So pray without ceasing. And again, we do it because it's a blessing to God. So what should we pray for them? Look at verse 4. Who desires all men to be what? Saved. Saved. Not rich. Not popular. Not even healthy necessarily. We, pray, we can pray for, we pray for that. Should we pray for people to... We deliver from sickness like we just did for Graham, don't we? Amen. But what's more important than being healed? What's more important than being comfortable? What's more important than anything? Being saved. So the first priority of our prayer should be say, Lord, save them. You know what? If we want to see abortion stop happening, let's pray for all those young women to get saved. If you give your life to Jesus, you're not going to kill your baby. Can I get an amen to that? If we want to see things change, let's pray. You know, the revival that took place a couple hundred years ago, the, the, all the bars in the cities were closed because everybody quit drinking because they got saved. Amen? We want to see things change. We need to see people saved. Amen? And she says that's what we should be praying for, that they'll, they'll be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Not a truth, not my truth, not your truth, the truth. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Amen? So the truth that the world needs to hear is Jesus, 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 and more Jesus. Amen? I don't even like talking about God because God can be Buddha to somebody. God can be the, you know, Muhammad. It can be anybody. I like to talk about Jesus because there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved than Jesus. Amen? It's all about Jesus. Somebody sent me a face mask, so when I have to wear it, it says, I love Jesus. It's an opportunity for the gospel. Amen? Let's point people to Jesus. All men need salvation. God desires that all men should be saved. So why then aren't all men saved? If he desires that all men should be saved, then why aren't all men saved? Why not? 
What's the answer? They have free will, and they're sinners, like all of us. God desires that none should perish, no, not one, but all men have free will. God will not force salvation upon you, but we need to continue to pray for them. So, what should we pray? And by the way, our God wants willing servants, not programmed slaves. Can I get an amen? God didn't save you so you could be a robot walking around. He, he desires that you choose to love him, that you respond to what he has done on the cross of Calvary. Some of you have different beliefs in this area, and that's okay. It, it, we can agree to disagree on this. But I, I used to use this analogy in youth group, that would you rather have the most beautiful girl on campus be shot with a, with a drug that forced her to love you, or have her meet you, get to know you, and then choose to love you? Which one of those do you want? And the same way with our God. Can I get an amen? Could he force us all to love him? What's the answer? Yeah, he's God. Boom. Just, and we all walk around, we love you, we love He doesn't want that. He wants us to get, and by the way, to know him better is to love him more. Can I get an amen to that? That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because as we spend time in the word of God, we fall more in love with the God of the word, which then increases our faith in the God of the word. Amen? You're as close to God as you want to be. If you're far from God, it's not God's fault. Amen? The more time we spend in his word, the more time we seek his face, the closer we'll be to him. So our prayers for all men. Salvation is offered universally. It's accepted individually. One of my prayers always is, Lord, open their eyes to the truth, please. Soften their hearts, Lord. Pray for divine appointments and opportunity to share with people the hope that lies within you. So what should we pray? That they would come to the knowledge of the truth and to know Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the only one who can answer our prayer, look at verse 5. Now, if this is not underlined in your Bible, find a pen or a highlighter. Can I get an amen? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Amen, 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 and amen. So, Pastor Dave, if, if a Hindu is in front of a statue and he's praying, God doesn't hear him. That's right. No. Amen? We should be burdened for, for the Hindus. Can I get an amen to that? I've been to India seven times. And one of my last trips there was the high Hindu holiday. And it was also Ramadan the same week. So it was the Muslim holiday and the Hindu holiday. And this poor man was sitting in front of an elephant, a stone elephant. And he was crying with tears running down his face. And he was weeping and he was crying out to this elephant statue. And my heart broke because I, I didn't have an interpreter. I want to tell him about Jesus. Amen? We don't have to pray to dead statues. We pray to a risen living Savior. Amen? There's one mediator. There's one that is seated at the right hand of the Father. And again, that's why we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's only one God, and He desires to have a relationship with sinful men. And He's the only one who can bring sinners like us to, uh, to our holy God. There's one God. The, the God of the Bible is only one, the only one true God. There is no other. He is the God over all creation, over the whole human race. He is God whether you acknowledge him or not. Amen. They can reject him. He's still God. They can curse him. He's still on the throne. They can say mother nature instead of almighty God, and they're, they're wrong. There's one God. Amen. One mediator. The whole human race has a universal need for a mediator to bring them into a relationship with God, and God has acted to provide that mediator for everyone without exclusion, but it's Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. The man Christ Jesus. Notice I love this. He's not just a man. He's the man. Can I get an amen to that? Who's the man? Jesus. It's not a basketball player. It's not, it's not a pop rock star who thinks they're the man. The man is Jesus. Can I get an amen? He is the man. How many gods? One. Not, not again, not, uh, he, he's one God with many names. Not, not one God with many names. I hear that. Well, Allah and Buddha and, and all these other gods, it's just all the same God. We just call them by different names. No, there's only one name. There's no other name. Under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen? You can't say, well, I believe in Allah, but it's the God of Jesus. No, it's not. Amen? And again, we don't hate Muslims. We don't hate, our hearts should break for them because they're deceived. Amen? 
And our heart should be to love on them and to show them the truth and to point them to our Savior. He's unique. He's the only one seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the only one that died for you. He's the one who created all things. He's the one who'd rather die than live without you, and he proved it on the cross. Can I get an amen? You know who's not the right hand? Muhammad, Buddha, no monk, no saint, no churches there, none of your dead relatives. Quit praying to your dead relatives. They're not hearing you. Can I get an amen? We don't pray to saints because we're saints. Did you know that? It means sanctified ones. I'm Saint Dave. It makes everyone laugh because it makes me laugh because I don't deserve it. But saint means sanctified one. It's not be- I'm not a saint because of what I've done. I'm a saint because of what he's done. And we're saints. And we- you know what? It's obnoxious to pray to Mary. If anybody could be grieved in heaven, it would be Mary. If she could come down, first of all, they say, oh, it was an appearance of Mary. I disagree because if she showed up, she'd say, knock it off. <laughs> Stop praying to me. Amen? It's ridiculous. But you know what happens? We have all this religious ritual that we allow to usurp the word of God. Jesus is the only one we pray to. Amen? We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to saints. If I lost something, pray to St. Anthony. He'll help me find it. He's not hearing you. Amen? And I'm not bagging. I'm just saying it's tragic to me that people have allowed religion to keep them from a relationship with God. Amen? Why in the world would I talk to a dead saint when I can talk to a living Savior? So don't put your focus anywhere else. Jesus alone is God. He freely died in our place. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's sinless. He's perfect. He's holy. Every other person they pray to is a sinner, created, not creator, dead and buried, uh, do not, could not pay for, for our sin. Each of them will bow to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice what it says here about Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus paid the price for all of us to be set free. Imagine you stand before a judge and your fine is a hundred billion dollars and you've got 20 bucks. You're in trouble. Can I get an Amen. And when we stand before Almighty God, our sin is so far beyond anything that we could pay for. One sin would keep us out of heaven. But here's the amazing part. As we stand before the judge, who is Jesus, Jesus looks at us. He can righteously judge us as sinful. He can send us to hell and we would deserve it. And here's what he chooses to do. He took off his robes. He came down and took our place and paid the fine for us. What a great and awesome God we serve. Can you imagine if somebody showed up as they were dragging you away to be thrown into a fire and a guy showed up and said, I'll write that check. I'll pay that bill for him. I'll pay it. And he paid it. Would you be thankful? Guys, remember that the next time you're praying. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Only he paid the price. Only he can set us free. Jesus gave himself to redeem us. How valuable, how valuable are you to God? we got people right now that I know are struggling with depression and fear and worry and anxiety. Every time you're, you feel depressed, anytime you feel like you're not worth something, just remember that the value of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay. And how much did God pay for you? He sent his son to die in your place. Guys, you're so valuable to God. You're so precious to him. I say this, I know this sounds a little flip, but if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. Can I get an amen? Your picture would be on his refrigerator, amen? He loves you. You're you're his treasured possession. He'd rather die than live without you. Be reminded of that the next time you're discouraged. Notice it says there, to be testified in due time. Several interpretations in his own appointed time, testified of at the appointed times, the future event when it will be testified to all men. There's a day coming when everyone will know who Jesus is, amen? Verse 7, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ, not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Apostle means three titles of, of him here. An apostle is one sent out by God. The closest thing we would have that today would be like a missionary. Uh, now, there were the 12 apostles. 
And again, this is Pastor Dave's opinion. Some of you will disagree with me. That's okay. There's only the names of 12 apostles in heaven. I think there's only 12 apostles. We don't have any more apostles. Someone writes me a letter and they says apostle so-and-so on it that they think they're an apostle. I'm already concerned. Can I get an amen? They have to have seen the risen living Savior. Paul took the place of Judas. That's what I believe. So he refers to himself as an apostle and a preacher, one who heralds the gospel. You know, preacher sometimes has a bad connotation. Preacher should be something that we're blessed by. Can I get an amen to that? Are you a minister or a preacher? Both. We preach on Sunday, we minister always. Can I get an amen? Teacher, one who equips and disciples believers in the truth. The Gentiles proof that God had come to save all mankind. Not, none too good or too bad to be saved. He says, I minister to the Gentiles. The ones who the, who the religious leaders turned their back on and thought they called them dogs. And he ministered to them. Nobody is beyond salvation. Amen? And we should never look down on anyone as being below or beneath us. Because therefore, for the grace of God is every one of us. Amen? And we should have a heart to see people saved. Notice he says there in that verse, appointed a preacher, I'm speaking the truth. And he says he does it in faith and in truth. Preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, I have people sometimes call me and want my opinion. And I'll give them a Bible verse. Like, well, I don't want a Bible verse. I want your opinion. I go, no, you don't. You want the Bible verse. Can I get an Amen. The Word of God is truth. I can be wrong. The Word of God never is. Only one can answer our prayer. Verse 8, how should we pray? I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. When we pray, again, we should pray always and everywhere. I like that. I think men pray everywhere. And it says lifting up holy hands. Now, when you lift up your hands, in the Jewish culture, this was a uh, an act of surrender, a full surrender of everything that you have. It was an act of praise. It was synonymous, again, with Jewish prayer, that they would lift up holy hands. Positions of prayer in Scripture are raising holy hands or bowed down or seated. And it's not as much the position of the body, as I said earlier, but the attitude of the heart. But often, the position matches the attitude. When you're raising hands, it's that universal, Lord, I give up. I surrender all, Lord. Amen. I'm reaching out to you. I desperately need you. If had churches say, if you raise hands, it's wrong. Well, you better read your Bible. Can I get an amen? Notice it says raising holy hands. Wait a minute. Do you know that you're holy? Why are you holy? Why are you holy? The Lord made us holy. Amen, Rob. Guys, when he made you a new creation in Christ, what did he do? He washed away all your sin, past, present, and future. And so now you're holy. Amen. So you're not only Saint, I'm not only Saint Dave, I'm Holy Dave, by the grace of God. Amen? Now, I'm not holy because I'm perfect. I'm holy because He's perfect. And so when we lift up hands, what are we lifting up? Holy hands. But this is another reason why, again, we raise our hands and they're holy hands and He hears our prayer because we've been set up, our sins have been washed away. We can enter boldly into His presence. The veil's been torn. We can, have inter, we can have a conversation with the creator of the universe. We ought to be excited about that. Can I get an amen? And then we'll go days and days and have not prayed once. Lord, help us. Notice He says when you come, pray with, come without wrath. That means without anger. Uh, I've seen people do this. I know God's a God of love and grace and mercy, but we should not be coming before God angry. Oh, God, I can't believe it. My wife. Really, bro? Let me just move back a little bit while you're doing that. With the lightning spilling over on me. But you know what I mean? But we come to God without anger. And notice it also says without doubting. When we come to the Lord, does God answer prayer? What's the answer? And sometimes he says no, but when he says no, that's the best answer for us. Can I get an amen to that? So we can come with boldness. We come with confidence. We don't come in anger. We're not mad at God for what you know, we think he's doing. He's a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God. I got fired from work. I can't believe God. Well, maybe if you weren't a jerk at work, you wouldn't have got fired. Don't blame that on God. Sometimes we get laid off. It's not our fault. But yet, is God still in control? And we don't come to him angry. We come to him humble and broken, without wrath, without doubting. We need to be men and women of faith. Amen? I love that when I'm, I can't believe I get to talk to God, and when I do, He hears me every time. Isn't that good? Amen? 
And you know when you really need a prayer? When you don't feel like it. Amen? Have you ever started praying when you didn't feel like praying? By the time you were done praying, you felt like praying? Can I get an amen? When you come before the Lord, doesn't, it takes the focus off all the other stuff. And it gets your eyes on Jesus. It gives you that eternal perspective. And prayer doesn't change his mind. It changes our hearts. Amen? So point number one, you should make my father's house a house of prayer. How should we pray? Who should we pray for? Why should we, why should we pray for them? What should we pray for them? The only one who can answer our prayers and then lifting up holy hands. The role of women in the church. Verse 9. In like manner... Also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair, gold or pearls, or costly clothing. Okay, you can go on the extreme on this on two different ways. Okay, first of all, this is true of all of us, but in this case, he's talking about women. You should dress in a way that is honoring to the Lord. Can I get an amen? You should dress in a way that doesn't distract your brothers in Christ. Can I get an amen to that? So when you come to church, you should stand in front of the mirror, and if Jesus was coming to my house, would I wear this? <laughs> Can I get an amen? And then wear that to church. If you, if you go, well, maybe not, change, amen? So cover up the stuff that needs to be covered up and don't cover it up too tightly. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen? Now, that being said, somebody comes new to church, they may not know the Lord, and they may be dressed in a way that might be inappropriate. We don't mention it. We don't bring it up. We just love them in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. There was a church that I know of, Chris knows of it, where the pastor kind of lost his way, and, and somebody would walk into church inappropriately dressed, and they had orange t-shirts that would go down to their knees. And they'd have women walk over and say, you're dressed inappropriately. Put this on. <laughs> they put on this orange t-shirt, go down to their knees. So everybody in the church knew, might as well have a scarlet A on your forehead. <laughs> we, 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 treat, we love everybody. Can I get an amen? amen? If somebody's newly saved and it takes a little while, that's okay. And maybe there comes a time if they've been saved and they're coming for a while, that one of the ladies in the church can come alongside her and put your arm around her and say, hey, can I encourage you with something? Let's do it in love. Can I get an amen? amen. Not, look at you, 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 you Jezebel. No. <laughs> no. Stop it. Don't do that. If you dress inappropriately, you dishonor God. You'll stumble your brother, and you'll attract the wrong kind of man. Can I get an amen? When I was a youth pastor, I used to say, what you use for bait will determine what you catch. You know what a godly man wants? A godly woman. You know what a fleshly man wants? Your body. Can I get an amen? I'm being blunt. So if you want a guy who just wants your body, then dress in a way that he's attracted to your body, and don't be surprised when that's all he wants from you. Amen? Amen. And you know what? The guys in the room all know that's true. Can I get an amen, guys? Amen. It's so true. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, women don't have to dress like Ma Kettle. Only the old people even know who I'm talking about. A woman can be dressed attractively and modestly at the same time. Amen? Some churches take it to the other, you know, they're wearing sackcloth and ashes. Oh, no makeup, you know, hair, you know, don't touch your hair. And they'll walk around looking, you know, like, wow, how does anybody get married in this church? Amen? <laughs> it's brutal. I love what Pastor Chuck said when he's talking about makeup. He said, well, should women wear makeup? He said, if the bar needs painting, paint it. Amen? In the old days, they used to say you have no shame with propriety and moderation, propriety and moderation, with a sense of shame and honor. A sanctified bashfulness is what it really means there. Dress appropriate for the one who desires to honor Jesus. And again, the world is not the standard for modesty. Amen? Ever since we got selfies, give me a break. You know, and I'm not saying there aren't some, we don't do selfies in my house, we do ussies, right? It, it, and we never take pictures by ourselves, me and my wife together, my kids or whatever. But you know, you'll have women posting pictures that are so inappropriate and they got Christian Bible verses up and they, they've got almost no clothes on, taking pictures of themselves. And you're like, oh, unfriend? I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> and guys, that's not appropriate, amen? Have modesty. Not dressed in a way that draws all the attention to you. By the way, when, when you come to church, the focus shouldn't be on you. It should be on Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
Now, then he goes on to talk about gold and hairstyles and jewelry. Again, again, to be attractive is fine, but not entitled to excess to draw attention to you. You know, there's some churches that you would think that they're having the, the Thanksgiving Day parade. <laughs> Hats and dresses and you know what I mean? And they all come in and they'll come in late so they can walk down the middle of the aisle and get noticed by everybody. Stop it! Amen? Where is that in the Bible? Let's be adorned with godliness and good works. That's better than to be adorned with gold jewelry. Can I get an amen? I believe you could, in the context, you can wear jewelry. Just don't wear it in such a way that all the attention is put on you. Does that make sense? Amen? It's okay to have makeup. It's okay to dress nice. It's okay to be appropriate. But don't dress in a way that takes the focus off the Lord or would cause someone else to stumble. If Jesus were coming to your house, how would you dress? That's a good thing to wear to church. Amen? As we mature spiritually, we will be, it will be reflected in how we dress. Again, attract, attractive, but not competing with God for man's attention. It's not only modesty, but it says good works. But which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So he's saying the way that a woman dresses is proper for somebody, and again, that lives a life of good works, based more on her reflection of Christ in her actions and service and attitudes than her appearance. You know, that's what, again, if you're a godly man and you're single and you're looking for a wife, you need to look for a woman who just loves Jesus. Can I get an amen? And if you're a godly woman looking for, you know, wanting to be married, look for a man who loves Jesus as much as or more than you do. Can I get an amen to that? Don't just be attracted by his job title or don't be attracted to, to how she dresses. The role of a woman in a church, notice here, a part of it is good works, professing godliness and good works. Again, not the, the woman with 500 pounds of jewelry and an eight-foot-tall hairdo that's attractive to the kingdom of God, but someone who faithfully serves, someone who serves in anonymity, somebody who's willing to to minister to others. Now, here's where it's going to start getting controversial. Here we go. Ready? If you're a feminist, hold on your hat. <laughs> Let the women learn in silence with all submission. Well, let that soak in for a second. That's the Bible right there. Now, this is speaking of church. Let me make this really clear. First of all, women are not less than men in any way. Can I get an amen to that? Women can be more spiritual than their husband. Can I get an amen to that? Women can be more godly. They can be more gifted than their husband. Can I get an amen to that? And the Bible says she submits to her husband. Women are not called to be pastors of churches. Amen? Now, when a woman comes to church, here's you got to understand what was going on in Paul's day. The women sat behind the men in a different section of the church. The men sat at the front, the women sat at the back, and there would be women who would yell to their husbands a question they had during the service. That's where kind of this all silence comes in. Hey, ask him after, after church. Can I get an amen to that? So the first place you should go if, if you're married and you have a godly husband, if you have a Bible question, ask your husband first. <coughs> amen? And husbands, you be the kind of man that would have an answer. Can I get an amen to that? You need to be studied up so when your wife comes asking a question, if you don't have it, you can find it. Can I get an amen to that? So there needs to be authority. There's authority in the church. Now, I, want to, I want to say this, too, as we go through this, that there are many things that women are, are called to do in the church, and there are very few things that they're not called to do. They're not called to be the pastor, and they're not called to teach men. Other than that, they're called to everything else. Amen? Women teach women's study. We're going to get to Titus chapter 2, older women ministering to younger women. Ministering in the children's ministry, amen? Serving in the body of Christ, being on the prayer team, being on the worship team, virtually everything else in the body of Christ except having authority over men. Now, we know why they lost the ability to have authority over men. We often will say it came in the garden because they were deceived first, and that's certainly a part of it. But do you know that Adam had authority even before that happened? Now, all that means is, guys, you're on the hook, bro. You know what that means? You're called to be the spiritual leader in your house, and you're going to stand before Almighty God on Judgment Day as how well you did leading your wife and loving your wife and serving your wife and praying for your wife and ministering to your wife. And you know what a godly woman looks for? A man who will do all of those things. Can I get an amen? And that man is easy to submit to. 
If he has submitted to the Lord, you're submitting to him, and he's submitting to the Lord. Praise God. Amen? And that's the exhortation here. Authority is not just a struggle between men and women. The citizens of our country no longer respect our government. Students don't respect teachers. Women don't respect men. Children don't respect their parents. Employees don't submit to their employers. People don't submit to the police. And even Christians don't submit to Christian authority. So this is an authority problem across the board. Can I get an amen? And so, by the way, because your wife is called to submit to you, sit down, shut up, and submit is not good counsel. I've had people, and I've been a pastor a long time. It hasn't happened a lot of times. I had one guy bring his wife in, was literally dragging her, and said, you tell her, she has to submit to me. <laughs> and then he started poking me in the chest. You better tell her to submit to me. I hate to, well, I'll tell you because I'm a flawed man. I got up and I said, be thankful that I'm a born-again pastor filled with the Holy Spirit, or I pick your butt up and throw you through that plate glass window right over there. <laughs> I did. I said it. I'm sorry. I apologize. He's, t- he's yelling it, and his wife had a black eye. Yeah. We took care of that. Called the police. Called the police, protected her. They were, their marriage didn't last. Guys, you're not the king. He's the king. Can I get an amen? You don't treat your wife like a second-class citizen. You don't look down on your wife. You don't, you don't yell at your wife. You don't mistreat your wife. You don't tell your wife to submit. You live a life that's worthy of being submitted to, and she will. Can I get an amen? Wives, if he's not living a life, you submit to him anyway and just pray for him. Can I get an amen? This is why before, when you're courting to marriage, you make sure he's that kind of man before you get married, because I promise you him getting married is going to make him more of what he already is. Well, we'll get married and he'll be really more godly. No. Uh-uh. Look at it says in verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. This is, the culture hates this. I can't have authority over a man. A woman is never to pastor a church, as I said. She's never to stand behind a pulpit or before a crowd to teach men and women together. God's word is very clear. Teaching in the word, opening the scriptures, reading the text, explaining it, applying it. A woman is not, to, again, to serve in that position over men. Now, some pastors have said this. I'm just I'm covering this. We've got a few minutes left. Some pastors will say, my wife can fill the pulpit because she's under my authority. Oh, that's nonsense. She can have authority over men as long as she's under the authority of her husband. No. No. Amen? So I want, I want to, when you see a woman teaching in a church, they're out of... They're, they're, now, by the way, when you get that wrong, I'm concerned about how you look at the rest of the Bible. Amen? I've had people call me like, yeah, we got a new pastor, it's a woman, and we're trying to... I go, leave. <laughs> what? I've been going there 20 years. Time to leave. Well, she's a nice lady. I'm sure she is. Leave. Because if they don't understand that part of the Bible, they got a problem with the rest of it. Can I get an amen? It's so clear. It's not hard to read this. I have women pastors attack me on Facebook. Well, I'm a woman pastor, and God's ordained me and gifted me, and, and you should be teaching other women, and that's fine, but you're out of God's will right now. How dare you tell me that? I'm not. Paul did. The Bible did. The Bible says it. Amen? Now, I want to say all this, and women are used mightily in the body of Christ. By the way, what percentage of men are pastors? Can I get an amen to that? 1%? Less? So you're not allowed to have authority over men in the church. That's what the Bible teaches. But women are used mildly by God. And I love it. It doesn't devalue women. Men are not more valuable. It relates not to value, but to calling. God has chosen to place men in a position of spiritual authority within the church and in the home, but with that calling comes great responsibility. And again, we're all called to live in submission. Man leads out of submission to the Lord, and it's easy again, as I said, for a godly woman to follow a man who is submitted to the Lord. Men don't all lead as God commands. Uh, It's a lack of submission to the Lord. If your wife is leading in your house, you're in sin, you need to repent and start leading in your house. Can I get an amen? If you're sitting on the sidelines, your wife's a spiritual leader, she initiates every spiritual thing that takes place in your house, it's time for you to man up and start being the spiritual leader in your home. Women submit to their husbands. Children submit to their parents. It's not in this verse, but the Bible talks about that. Children submit to your parents. 
I don't like when my parents... Get over it. See, I'm glad that God just made me bigger than my kids, so it wasn't a problem. Can I get an amen? At some point, they need to submit to their friends. Now, do it in love, and they need to know how much you love them and that you care for them. But we got, we got a lot of problems in our country today, in our world today, because there's no fathers in the house teaching submission. Can I get an amen? If they don't learn how to submit at home, they're not going to submit to the teacher at school. And they're not going to submit to the police officer. They're not going to submit to the government. And they're not going to submit to God. Amen? You know, whatever God says is good enough for me. Whatever role he has for me, I'm good with it. Can I get an amen to that? Does God know what he's doing? He does. So if this is my role as a man, to be the spiritual leader in my home, to provide for my family, do you know what? It's good for a man to work hard. Can I get an amen to that? It's good to get, I love to get up, put my suit and tie on and drive to a sales call at seven in the morning. I love it because you know what? That's what God calls me to do. And if it's digging a ditch or whatever God calls you to do, you do it as unto the Lord and it's good for a man to work hard. Amen? And it's good for a woman to submit to her husband and encourage him and be a blessing to him. She's not your competitor. She's your completer. She's not in competition with you. She's your helpmate. You know why? Because you need one. I can't imagine what my house would look like without, like without Lynette. Can I get an amen? You come to my house, it looks like a model home 24-7. If she leaves for three days, not so much. I need my helpmate. Can I get an amen to that? And she's precious, and I'm called to protect her and watch over her and care for her and lay down my life for her and serve her and love her unconditionally and have eyes only for her. Can I get an amen to that? That's what men are called to do. This is not just telling women to submit, but it's also telling men they need to leave, to lead. It doesn't permit women to teach. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's how God created us. Because of the way he created us, it goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, man was created first, then woman, order given prior even to sin in the garden, even before the fall. When God said it is not good, when does he say that? He's going through creation. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he says, it's not good for what? For man to be alone. And we're going to go over a couple minutes. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Then he caused a deep sleep to fall over Adam and brought him his wife. He did not go out hunting. Can I get an amen? And he brings to him the perfect person who will complete him, and the two of them become one flesh. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Amen? It's not something we should fight about. It's the way God created it, and it's an absolute blessing. Man was incomplete without woman. She is his helpmate. helpmate. She has gifts. He doesn't have the two become one. Verse 14, and verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now look, the woman was deceived. She listened to the serpent, Satan. He said, you know, did God really say? That's Satan's biggest temptation. He'll question the word of God. Did God really say? Did God really say that you couldn't eat of that tree? And then you know, if he knows if you eat it, you'll be like him. And she fell for it. And people give Eve a hard time for that. Okay. But here's what I always say. Where was Adam? Hey, Adam, if you were hanging out with your wife and the serpent showed up, you could have got a hoe after him or something, right? <laughs> Chase him out of the garden, amen? But the reality is, so look, uh, she fell for temptation, but her husband was not there to stand with her. And because she did, because man fell, man, and then man chose to transgress. His wife handed it to him and he took it. She saw, took eight, then he took an eight. So we're all equal sinners. Can I get an amen? And then there's a penalty. What was it? Who remembers? Man will toil by the sweat of his brow the days of his life, and a woman will have pain in childbirth. Thanks, Eve. Amen. I've been in for four babies being delivered, and it's painful. And I don't know the depths of the pain, and I'm glad men don't have to have babies because there'd be a lot less of them. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Paul's prohibition had nothing to do with the culture of the day and everything to do with his knowledge of Scripture. Some say Jesus is silent on the topic. Let me close with this. He called 12 apostles. There were 12 men. Can I get an amen? He always chose men. Not that they're better, because they're not. He chose them. The role of women in the church, teaching women, teaching children, worship, prayer, uh, greeting, serving, everything else other than having authority over men. Notice it says there, nevertheless, you will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control. 
God's promise that her importance and influence within the church would not disappear, and childbearing guarantees that her importance and influence within the church and the world would be great. She has the great privilege of bringing children into the world and will be uniquely and called and gifted by God to minister to those children. I, I say this all the time. What I do in my, my day-to-day job, we spend the money and God praise God for it, but the influence my wife has on my children lasts a lifetime. Can I get an amen? It's a great blessing and a privilege. And praise, can, I, can I get a praise God for godly moms, for praying moms, for godly grandmas? Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. And so in childbearing, God's using you to bring children into the world. This is an amazing miracle. And then he gives you the ability to minister to those children and raise those children and teach those children. Praise God. Amen. That's it. Now, should all the men be bummed? We can't have children. We're chopped. No, it's not your calling. It's her calling. And she can't teach over men. She shouldn't be upset either. We just have different callings. Can I get an amen to that? And let's be faithful to the one God has called us to and rejoice in it. Her influence in the world and society will be great, even in the church. By the way, my mom raised me, and so I'm pastoring a church, and she raised a pastor. Can I get an amen? But she raised me, and she taught me, and she ministered to me. And you know, she taught me so many things that I still use every single day. Her influence in raising the next generation of Christian leaders women to grow in her role, not to take man's. Be faithful to the role you have, not try to take the one that doesn't belong to you. Again, she is your completer, not your competitor. Men will often uh, not fight for position. They'll let their wife lead. If your husband's not leading, you make him. Bro, hey, we're going. You need, you need to step up here. I need your help here. Or, or call up and we'll have a counseling session, and, and I'll talk to him if you don't feel comfortable doing it. And men, again, if you're not leading, start. Amen? Women, if you're usurping his authority, stop. Amen? Be an encouragement to each other. Men, you love her, serve her, lay down your life for her, protect her, provide for her. You should be her greatest cheerleader, her biggest fan, and the one that she knows. If nobody's on her side, you always will be. Can I get an amen to that? And then women, you be the one who encourages your husband and loves him and, and, and thanks him for how hard he works and encourages him in everything that he does. Be a source of encouragement. We need to be ministering to each other. That's what the, that's what the body of Christ should look like. Amen? So in closing, how to conduct yourself in the house of God. You shall make your father's house a house of prayer. Prayer is preeminent. Prayer is the key. It's the blood life of, of the church. How should we pray? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Who should we pray for? All men, family, friends, the lost, those in authority. Why should we pray? It is good and acceptable in the sight of God. What should we pray? They come to salvation. There's only one name. One who answers our prayers, and again, that's the mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ. When we pray, we pray surrendered, lifting up holy hands. The role of women, modesty, dress in a way that's honoring to the Lord and won't stumble others. Have godly works, be a reflection of Christ in her actions, her service, and her attitude, because good works are more attractive than gold jewelry. Amen. Quiet learning just means without contention. Learn without being contentious, without trying to cause something. And then submitting to authority. Women are not less spiritual or less valuable. It relates not to their value, but to their calling. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you how practical the word of God is. And Lord, we pray for everyone here that whatever gift or calling you've placed upon our lives, that we would be faithful to it. I thank you for godly women. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for all the godly women here today, all that are watching on live stream. Lord, use them. Take the gifts you've given them and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's men said and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.